0: Okay, let's get started. So we left off at right towards the end of the second parik. Uh The last two dots in the second parak where it starts with the word chasan imratalikros. I don't know how many lines up, but it's a bunch. Maybe 15 to 20 lines up from the words chasan imratzalikros. So we saw in the Mishnah, we saw a debate whether or not a chasan on the first night uh, that he gets married, whether or not he's allowed to say shema. So in our Mishnah, we had the Rabbana's opinion of saying, listen, whoever wants to do it, do it. If you decide you want to say Shema, knock yourself out. And Rav and Gamlil's opinion was that, no, only the best of the best can say Shema. So the Gemara says, At the, from the front of two and nimrat to Likros. So says the Yomar, The Lamra the Rushim Roshim is concerned that a person will look haughty, aloof if he do if he does things that is different than everyone else. If I decide that I'm a chassan, I'm gonna say Shema, even though the rest of the people aren't going to. So it makes me look aloof, it makes me look special, and therefore I shouldn't do it. And we see that there are a to say anybody and everybody every time they can harry who wants to say Shema is allowed to go ahead and do it. They're not concerned that you'll have the look as somebody being aloof. So the Gemara says, "Well, wait a minute." But we know that we have opposite opinions about this. This when there is a custom that they do work on oh osim. You're allowed to do it. but if the custom is not to do work on tishivav, ain't Osin. And that mission uh, concludes that people who are held to a higher standard, they should stop themselves from doing work. And that, every person should make themselves like a Tamil Chacham so in our mission regarding Kriya Shema is saying that only the people that are well known for their devoutness for their greatness only they are allowed to say Kriya Shema the first night that they're married but when it comes to doing work on Tishvav he says everybody every time they can Eric can make themselves look like they are they are a Tamil Chacham and you have the flip question because when it comes to when it comes to Jishav, the Rabbinans say only the, the best of the best are able to not do mulacha on Jishav, but when it comes to Krishna they say anybody wants to say Kriyeshwan is allowed to say Kriyeshwan. So the Gemara says, well, that sets up, we have a contradiction between the two prices according to the Rabban. So the Gemara says, no problem. So first you could say, either you could use the first answer, you could just say, well, just switch around the opinions. You put one in the other place, you switch the opinions of the Rabban and the and then you solve all your problems. But that would be no fun. And we know why we're here. We're here for fun. So the Gemara says, don't switch the shittas. And here's the way it goes. The contradiction between the two opinions of the Rabbana is actually not a contradiction. Kriyishma, the Chassan, the first night that he's gotten married. The reason why they're abundant say anybody and everybody can say Kriyishma is keeping the Kuliyama Kakari since everybody is there saying Shema, the Nami Kari, and you're saying Shema with them, even though you are a Chasin. Lo Mixti Kyuhura. It doesn't look like you're being aloof. You're just doing what the community at large is doing, and even though it's true, your personal situation would make you potter, but it doesn't matter. Since you are part of the greater community and you are acting as part of the greater community, you don't look Look aloof by doing something different. But, but when it comes to tishuvah, given the Kuli Alma, Abdi Malacha, since you're in a place where everyone's doing work, if you look up and this guy says, while you're all doing work, I will not do work because I hold that I am at a higher standard and I will not do work on tishuvah." so therefore it will look like somebody is acting aloof and haughty. The or Shemingam Lilokash is also not a problem in the opinions of Leo because Hassan, when it comes to Shema Bikavana, it's all about can you or can you not have kabanah? The anan zahadi, and we are saying that a chassin low daiti. And we are saying that a chassin cannot have Kavana and therefore you were to say no, I'm better than the average person. I can say Shema, I can have Kavana, even though the average guy can't. But here on Tishba, if nobody thinks there's anything special about you, they'll say, this guy, you know why he's not doing work? Look, the guy didn't have a job today. He wasn't doing it. He wasn't doing it to show that he's better than everybody else, that he's not going to work. The guy didn't have a job. How do I know that there are people out there that don't have jobs? It's not like nowadays where it's 2% unemployment. In the old days, people didn't have jobs. Go outside. Look how many people don't have work. So therefore, from the fact that this guy doesn't work on Tishvav, there's no great proof to the fact that he's showing this level of being aloof, this level of being haughty. A person who sees him not working on Tishmah will just say, "Okay, the guy doesn't have a job." Not everybody is Zoha is merit he has the merit to have a job every single day. That concludes the second parak of Brachos, Hachal Hayakari, and now we get to the third parak of Brachos, very famous Gemaras. The mission starts off with a very famous principle. It says Mishimay <laughs> Summutal of one who has his deceased in front of him. And at this point, the mission understands that it's literally in front of him. It is within his it's it, you could see the guy. So, Padmi <laughs> Kriyashmah. That person who is staring at his deceased is exempt from saying Shema. Uminatfila, he doesn't have the davin, uminatfilan, he doesn't have to put on the fillin', umiko mitzus and murus and all mitzvahs he doesn't have to do anything. No, se I mean, to the people who are carrying the bed. They are carrying the coffin. They are involved in the mitzvah of halvayas hames feim and the people who are going to switch up v'chiluvei and even the switcher switcher. So even if you're a couple levels removed, but hypothetically you could be called upon at any moment to help escort the deceased. As if you're in front of the of the of the coffin, in front of the casket, which means that not only number one you may be called upon to do work, but number two you have not yet done the mitzvah of halayis hamayis. You have not done the done the mitzah of escorting the deceased. So. And there are people, the Eshala HaMittu, there are people who are behind the casket, while they may be called into active duty, they're the reserves, and therefore they may have the mitzvah of doing al-bayis However, with that being said, they've already at one point done the mitzvah of escorting the deceased. So, eshelef the people who are in front of the bed, if the bed needs them, the castle is going to need them, beturim, they're absolutely exempt. The b'hem, But if you're behind the bed, even though you may be needed, it doesn't matter. You are chayi because you've already done the mitzvah. But even though they're Chayim and Shema, because Shema is very quick, Shema is very easy, it's one line you say, you're done, no big deal. Eilu ve'elu peturimina tefillah. They are both, whether you're in front of the casket, i.e. that you haven't yet done the mitzvah, whether you're behind the casket, which means you've already done the mitzvah, you are exempt from davening. Davening takes a little bit longer. Davening requires kavana. Davening requires all these different things. And therefore you will be exempt from tefillah. We're talking about one line or three paragraphs here? What? Mishnah. Simply, we're probably talking about at least one paragraph. There's a big machugah is how much it would have to do. Whether it's one line, whether it's one paragraph. But Rashi understands that it's one line. Other people understand that it's the very least one paragraph. <laughs> once they have buried the deceased, the chazru they come back to. Uh, they come back actually are able to start and finish shema before the the the. Avil comes back to comes to the line that we make after the burial. So Yaskilu, do it if you can finish shema. Vimlav if you can't finish shema, lo yaschilu you should not start. Ha'om, the sure the people who are in the line who are going to comfort the deceased. Ha'panim, and the inside people who are going to see the uh, who are I'm sorry you're going to comfort the avil. The people who could see the mourner beturim they are exempt. The chitzonim and the outside people—they're in the back of the line, so Chayavim—they are obligated to go ahead and say Shema because, in the end of the day, it's not as uh, disrespectful if you're in the back; nobody really sees you. So, therefore, that person would be allowed to say Shema. That is the mission. And again, we're going to skip the parentheses. That mission is going to be later on. Now, the Gemara now gets into this whole discussion about what is the exemption. When is one exempt when they are dealing with the deceased? Because right now we've said, as the Gemara says, in you're only exempt when the deceased is in front of you. You're literally looking at the deceased. Which sounds like, if the deceased is not in front of you, even though one of your relatives passed away, but he or she is not right in front of you, they're in a different room, they're in a different city, they're in a different country, they're in a different area. So it sounds like, well, sounds like you would not have these exemptions. You would be chayv in Shema. You would be chayv in Shema You'd be high in, in everything. Aye, but we have a minute. we have the following contradiction. Mi, shemes, if one has the deceased in front of him, so he should eat in some other house if he doesn't have another house he doesn't have another room he should go to his friend's house if he doesn't have a friend's house he should build a wall and then he should go ahead and eat okay? he doesn't have anything to build the wall he has no material and he's just sitting there and his deceased is in front of him what should he do he should turn his head and he should eat Now, here come the rules. One is in the status of aninos. When one is waiting to bear their disease, they don't sit on a couch and enjoy their meal and sit and recline. they don't eat meat. They don't drink wine. They don't make any brachos. They don't. They don't say hamotzi. Uh, they do They can't be part of a mezuman because they're not going to say berachos uh, hamazon going to yudchatsim and al. Veim nevarachan alav. We don't make the bracha for him because he's totally exempt from a bracha. Veim mezammen allah, He can't be part of a mezuman. And upat mikriyashma uminat tefila uminat tefillin umin kamitzes they are exempt they're exempt from Shemun they're exempt from putting out tefillin, and all other mitzvahs that are in the Torah. Now, just to finish the Bresa, U shabbos and on Shabbos, in the same situation where one has the deceased in front of them, they're allowed to eat meat like regular, they're allowed to drink wine like regular, they make regular brachos, Umezamein they bench, they, they make part of a M'zumen, U we can make brachos for him, We he can join us in the mezuman. And V'chayi B'chom Mitzvahs, Amuriz B'Torah, he is obligated, even though the deceased is in front of him. He is obligated in every single mitzvah because as we know, one can't bury the deceased on Shabbos therefore, they are not exempt from any mitzvos on Shabbos With that being said, Rab Shimon, Gamil, and once you're in some mitzvos, Bekulad, you become obligated in all mitzvahs. What's he coming to are you going? What's he coming to add to the Tanakhama? The shamit The question is: Is the owning obligated to have relationships? with his wife on Friday night according to the Tanakhama so he's not because what we call Dvarim bitzinah, it is a it is a it is something in private and we still have Avelos on Shabbos even though it's in private and therefore we don't have him. that's not his mitzvah but according to shimming and meal since it is a mitzvah for one to be with their wife on Friday night so therefore we would tell him listen once you have to do mitzvahs you should go ahead and you should be with your wife on Friday night now now, with all that being said, now let's understand the question. So now the Gomorrah spells out the question. We said in this brysa, remember this brysa had a bunch of options. It said either you should go to somebody else's house or you should go to your friend's house or you should go to a different room. And it sounded like in all those situations you are exempt from Shema and from all the mitzvos. So our mission made it seem like only if the deceased is in front of you are you exempt. But this brysa makes it seem like that, no, even if I'm in my friend's house, even if I'm not in another room, even if I'm in a different house, I'm exempt from all the mitzvahs. As the Gemara says, it sounds like from this Bryson we said, Pata mikriya shama, You're exempt from Shema, you're exempt from everything. But wait a minute, this Bryson was talking about in all situations. The Bryson seemed to talk about whether you are in your house, whether you're in your friend's house, whether you build a wall, even though I can't see the deceased, I am still exempt from everything so Amr of Papa so if Papa says no the Brisa gave different possibilities the Brisa first talked about if you're in a different room or if you're in somebody else's house but then it said there was a third choice that if you're in your own house and there's nowhere else for you to go you have to turn your face and eat like that so when the Brisa talked about you being exempt from all the mitzvos, Amr of Papa targama Amachzer Pana Ve'ochah When well, we said that you're exempt from all the mitzvos, it was only talking about the last case of the Brisa which was you didn't have a friend's house you didn't have a a different house you are in the very same room as the deceased and therefore we gave you this idea of okay you have to turn your head and lean and you have to turn your head and eat make sure you don't can't see the deceased and we said in that situation where you're still in the same room you're still in the same house as the deceased in that situation you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't be obligated in all mitzvahs and therefore that would run perfectly well with our Mishnah that it's only when the deceased is in front of you physically in front of you are you exempt from all mitzvahs. And that Rav Ashiyam, Kima Shemuto Lav, Lakovro? Raja says, no. The explanation is, since it is your obligation to bury this person, Kimuta Lafanev Dami. It doesn't mean that he has to physically, the deceased doesn't have to physically be there for you to be exempt. If it's your obligation to bury this person, it is in front of you. It is placed in front of you. It is Mutala It is sitting there in front of you. And therefore, even though it's not physically there, the mere fact that you have an obligation to bury this person will make you exempt from all mitzvahs in the Torah. As we see shenamar. as we see this concept that you could call something of, even though it's not physically in front of you, it's just its obligation is in front of you. As it says, Shnemar avram y'alpnei me'eso that Avram got up from the face of his disease. Sarah wasn't there. She wasn't around. Sarah was back in Beersheba. He went to Hebron. But the fact was that he had an obligation to bury her and therefore it was in front in of front It was the fun of, and therefore he says, Venamar, the Ekbra Macy Milafonai. I need to bury the deceased from in front of me. She died in Beersheba. He went to Hebron to go bury her, but he didn't bring the body with her, he just went to go negotiate with Ephron. So, what is it? As long as it's your obligation to bury this person, of dummy that is called that is of that is called that is placed before you. And since it is called placed before you, therefore one would be exempt from all mitzvahs in the Torah when they have an obligation to bury the person. Just as a side note, everyone should realize there's a very famous, I think it's a Rubina Yoni here, but it's it's all over. It's all over That the reason why one is exempt when they when they have the deceased, when they have to bury somebody, is not necessarily because of there's a deeper understanding which is that it's a covet to the mace it's an honor to the deceased and we drop everything for covet to the and therefore the moment so even if a person said listen I'm going to be machmer I'm going to go daven I'm going to go bench I'm going to go make brachos even though the deceased is in front of me you're not allowed to well why not why can't I do it I can do whatever I want the answer is no you can't because when you do that you're showing a disrespect to the deceased, and therefore, once a person can't go out of his way and say, even though I'm exempt, I'm going to do it anyways. Because it's not just because when you're involved in mitzvah A, you're exempt from mitzvah B. It's that by you doing anything else except for dealing with the deceased, dealing with his funeral plans, dealing with his his uh, his eulogy, you are disrespecting the deceased, and therefore we don't allow you to do any mitzvahs uh, when one is taking care of the burial of the deceased. Okay. Rock was not well, Pretty they do. Anyways. They do. Anything no. you do, you anything you, you do, anything you do, it shows that you're showing some other concentration. You have to take care of yourself, but the you moment you have to take brachas, you eat, with that, you your your eat without anything. Yeah. You don't do anything. Anytime you're worrying about anything else, it shows that you're not 100% focused on this disease, which the job of the person who's supposed to be taking care of the burial is to be 100% focused on the deceased. You shouldn't uh, eat it all. You need the person to survive. You need to survive. No, no. Brachas are your relationship to HaKadosh Baruch We'll tell you, you don't have that obligation. Okay, so now, so the Gemara says, okay, with that in mind, may sue in. It sounds like only if it's your deceased, if you have to take care of it, although mishamer lo. But if let's say you have to, you're watching the uh, dead body, it sounds like you're not exempt from anything. We only said when one has to take care of their deceased, they're exempt. If it's not the person's deceased, it is just they happen to be in the situation where they are guarding the uh, the deceased. It sounds like you're not going to be exempt. One who is guarding the deceased, even though it's not your deceased, it's not your, it's not a person that you're obligated to bury. You are just serving as the guard. You're exempt from Shema, Umirat it Umirat be called Mitzvah Which way is it? Sounds like it doesn't have to be your deceased. The deceased one says you're right. So there's two separate exemptions. If you are protecting it, even though you are not related, you are not connected to the deceased. The mere fact that you're protecting it, you are exempt from all mitzvahs meso, and a Similarly, if it is your deceased, even though you are not protecting it again, you are going to be exempt from all mitzvos in the world. Ramosha finds it, as a very famous chuva where Moshe says that nowadays, even though it's true, you should still be exempt from doing any of these things when you're watching a dead body. He says it's only when you have a concern that mice or rats may get to the body. If you know for sure that there are no mice or no rats that are going to get to the body, nothing's going to touch this body. You know, it's in a it's in a morgue or something. You know, there's no nothing can get to it. So then, while it's true, you still have an obligation to watch it, but you don't have the same level of obligation. Therefore, you can have and You can be in and out. You don't have to be there all the time. And he would say, nowadays, assuming that the body is well protected, that it won't be, uh, it's not going to be exposed to to rodents of any sort. So he would say that you would be obligated in saying Shema at this point. Now, what? you can leave the room. That's his point. He says, you can leave the room, come in, It's like a, it becomes like a mashgeich like in a restaurant. You're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. You no longer have to be there all the time anymore. Anyway, so he says, so, it sounds like mishamro, and only if you have one of these two reasons to be exempt. Either if it is your deceased, or if you're protecting it. Of a Mahalach Be'ezah if you're just walking in the cemetery, lo, you're not going to be exempt. another Lo Kfaros A person should not walk in a cemetery. If it's filling barocho and if it's filling in his head, if it's a Torah, Bezaro, or carrying a Sefer Torah, or reading a Sefer Torah, If you do this over, mishum loe glarash you are embarrassing the poor, because of the person in the cemetery cannot do mitzvahs and you are embarrassing by showing him ha I'm doing mitzvahs and you're not. So the Gemara says, no. It's only prohibited if you're within four amos of the deceased. But If I'm more than four amos away from the deceased, so of, of the of the grave, really I'd be mar amos The deceased, he's able to. He grabs, so to speak, four amos of shema, and therefore, if I'm within four amos of a of a uh, coffin, four amos of a deceased, I'm not allowed to say it. But haha But in our situations where we're talking about, where you're either guarding the person or you are actually it's actually your deceased even if you're more than four amas away you are still going to be exempt so now if one is protecting the deceased even though it's not your deceased and you're exempt from everything. you have two guys, So one guy should watch the disease and then that will that frees up the other guy to say Shema. And then they, they switch. They uh, tap out. You know, the other one comes in to go watch and the other one goes to say Shema. Then, if they're both in a boat, they can put him in a corner. So then they can go in a different corner. So the Quran says, The difference is whether you have to be concerned for rodents on a ship or not. One says, Yeah, a ship is no different than any other room in the world. You have to be concerned for rodents, for rats, for mice, for all these different things. One opinion would say, no, if you are on a boat, what are the chances that a, ma- a mouse or a rat is going to be there and therefore you don't have to be concerned about it. But uh, they all agree that in an actual, in a room, you have to be concerned and therefore you'd have to be, uh, therefore, only if you would have two people watching would you be exempt from Shema. But on a boat, Ben Azay is willing to say, look, the facts are that it's very unlikely that there's going to be a rat or a mouse and therefore you'd be able to leave it in a corner and go dive in a different corner. Tana Abana, if one is carrying bones, they're burying somebody from place to place, they shouldn't put it in like a bag, and put him on the, the, uh, the donkey, and ride on them, why? because it's, it's degrading to the, the, the body but if you're nervous you're worried because of the non-Jews and they listen because of the bandits because you know what bandits are looking for they're looking for bones then mutter. Then it is permitted see people think this just started the dark web that you can sell a kidney nowadays ah it's not true but listen we're going after kidneys all the way back then also then it is permitted just like we say by bones similarly we say similarly we say best ever Torah. So the Lord says, what's it talking about? Ahayah. Is If that's going back on the Rasha. Meaning the Rasha said that you're not allowed to put it in a bag and write on top of it because that would be degrading to the bones. It would be saying, oh, that's degrading for the Sefer Torah as well. So Peshitta, of course not. Me, Gara Sefer Torah, man. Would you even think that it's degrading for bones and therefore you could do it for a Sefer Torah? Clearly, if it's degrading for bones, it's degrading for a Sefer Torah as well. Ella Sefer. We're saying on the Sefer meaning, just like in the Sefer we said, while it's true, it's degrading to put bones in a in a in a bag and ride on them but if you need to because you're worried that people are going to rob you it's permitted similarly by the Sefer Torah even though of course we would usually tell you you're not allowed to put a Sefer Torah in a bag and ride on top of it that's 100% true however if you, if you absolutely have to because otherwise you're going to get uh, the Nahram are going to get you the Lizzim are going to get you so it's permitted there's actually a very fascinating Ramah I, I don't remember where the Ramah is I think the Ramah it's in Chuvus Ramah. You'll see, the Chuvus Ramah says, he has this exact shot, he says, is it mutter? He says, if you're allowed to ride on a bench, let's say you're in a, you're in like a carriage, and you put a false bottom on the carriage. So you have your seat, and then under your seat, you put Svarim and Sifra Torah under that seat, so you can ride through, whether or not you're allowed to ride through to be able to, uh, to, be able to get through customs or whatever, whatever exactly the situation is. So the Ramah over there, an unbelievable Ramah, he matters it, but listen to why he matters it. He says, it's mutter because, all the svarim that we have nowadays, which aren't written like a sefer Torah, they don't have the kedusha of a sefer. They're not called the kedusha of a sefer. So all these rules that we grow up in in school, you know, like when we're in school, you sit there and they say, okay, the chumash has to go on top of the navi, and the navi has to go on top of the Gomorrah, and the you know all those rules that you grow up in when you're in uh, fourth grade or whatever it is. So the Ramah says none of those rules apply because they only apply if, the, if it's written as a sefer Torah. If it's not written as a sefer Torah, if it's just in print like what we have nowadays. The rules don't apply. There's no such thing as that you can have. Maybe you shouldn't have a. a uh, you shouldn't uh, act as a bizaro, but still, you're a lot of. There's no rules of what you can put on top of what; those rules don't apply anymore. And it's true, obviously, we don't 100 percent hold the rabbah because we all went through fourth grade, and in fourth grade, the rabbayim were always telling us, "No, you have to put the this on the this and the that on the that." So it must be the rabbayim. No, but there's obviously a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, what to rely on. If you're not so careful about what you you know which safer you put on which, you'd be allowed to do it because the says once you have our print, you don't have the written writings of a safer Torah. There's no inherent holiness into the safer. Anymore. So, it to too. Uh, so he talks about it a lot in Shemus whether or not it would or wouldn't apply for Sheamus. It's an interesting question. It's an interesting question. Uh, Shemus may be a little bit different because once it's made to learn from, the halakh of Shemus doesn't necessarily come from from Sifrei Kodesh. It may come from anything that you come to learn from. It doesn't have to be Sifrei Kodesh. But in that very same Chufa Sharmah, the Chufa talks about Sheamus as well, uh, you look it up. I don't remember where it is. If you ask me, I can probably find it pretty quick. I mean, honestly, the real reason why I'd be able to find it is I don't have so many... Chuvas from that I've underlined, so it wouldn't take me so long to go through my Chuvus from and find which one is underlined to be able to find it. But, anyways, all right, now that we're on that topic anybody who sees the deceased the and he doesn't he doesn't go ahead and escort him over mishun you are you are not you are you are you are, you are embarrassing the poor bim but if you do it you escort him Maskar, you want to know what your reward is you have been somebody who who escorted the poor you helped the the downtrodden and therefore our baruch Will escort you. Okay. Now we get an unbelievable flame Gomorrah, but it's a lot of agadat. So we got to be ready. Here comes the Gomorrah Reb Chiyah You have Reb Chiyah and Reb Yonasan They are walking around in the cemetery. Have a kashajah to chilted the, the 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 tchelus the tzitzis of Reb came down, and it was going on the on the on the on the, on the uh, monuments on the uh, on the uh, on the graves pick it up Why? you know what's going to happen because tomorrow i.e. when you pass away you're going to go hang out with these guys The and now you're embarrassing them because you're saying look I can wear tzitzitz and you can't are you sure that's what you want to say to these people who sooner or later you're going to have to see after 120 you're going to go up there and they're going to say hey that's the guy that embarrassed us are you sure you want to do that Amarle Surab Yonasan responds. He says, Do the deceased know what's going on in this world? The deceased, they don't know nothing. So, who says they know what's going on in this world? If you've read that pasuk, you haven't learned it well. You didn't learn it well enough. And nobody explains what that pasuk means. That pasuk doesn't literally mean that the deceased don't know what's going on in this world. It means as follows. What does it mean in the beginning of that pasuk That the living know that they're going to die. That refers to Elu HaTzadikim. That refers to the righteous. That even after they're deceased, they're still called alive where do we see that the people that that uh- that being alive and being dead is not a physical trait it is rather a spiritual place whether you are a tzaddik or not, uben yoh ben yoyar ben ishai ben yoh ben he was a living guy rav <speaking> paol in the kabetzal who hika shnay aria moav who yar hika aria so khabor biama shelach that's all one more puzzle which we're going to, to explain in a second what does the puzzle all mean going to your khazam veis what does it mean ben ishai he is a ben ishai he is a living person tzaddik come out already ben ishai atku ya is the rest of the world are they are they are they uh, dead people? What, what does it mean he's a living person? What does it mean, What does it mean that he's a living person? so even in his when in his demise after he has passed away, he's still gonna be called alive. And therefore we see that righteous people even after they have deceased, they are still called alive what does it mean he 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 uh, amassed and accumulated many achievements in Torah what does it mean that what does that mean? it mean means that neither during the first base of Middush nor during the second base of Middush was there anybody as great as him what does it mean what does that mean that he went down and he hit a line in a pit on the day of snow what does that mean I the army either it means to gzizi debrada either means that he broke a whole patch of ice thehas Vitavo and he jumped into the mikvah right you living out there in Minnesota and he clean out some of the ponds to jump in. Or ikad Amri, what it means is the of Sifra de Berav, he learned all of Torah's kohanim biyumah even on a winter day. A short day, it's a winter day, sunsets 4.30 still, he learned all of Torah's kohanim in one day. But all we wanted from that was to show that the Tadikim are called alive even after they've deceased. Which means that the end of this Pasuk is, which is v'hamayim eniyodeim uma. the end of the Pasuk, that you wanted to explain that said that the deceased don't know anything, it doesn't mean literally that the deceased know anything. What it means is Eilu Rishayim. That's referring to wicked people. That even when they are alive they're referred to as dead. That they, these Rishayim, they don't know anything. Even though they're alive, they're physically here. It doesn't matter. They don't know anything. the V'ata Rasha Nasi israel. You are a halal You are a carcass. The wicked one, the the, the Prince of Israel, this was talking to Tzitzkiyo HaMelech that he referred him as a Chalal. you referred him as a carcass even though he was alive. Bebais and or another way of how you know that that people who are alive could be referred to as dead the deceased should die wait a minute is he deceased or not no what is it he's alive the, the, the fact that he's a russia that he killed somebody therefore that makes him that from the get go he was already called a mace he was already called deceased even though he himself wasn't actually dead yet what they mean is that even though he ain't dead yet but he's already called dead because he did something wicked he killed somebody in that case and therefore he's already going to be called dead even though he is still physically alive but when he was wicked because he was wicked he is spiritually not alive, which means that he, we look at him as if he is not alive. Now, but that still hasn't answered anything. All that's left us with is that he quoted a postak to show that the deceased don't know anything. And we've said that Puzzik doesn't mean that the deceased don't, anything, don't know anything. That puzzle just means that people who are wicked are called deceased and they don't know anything. But that doesn't that doesn't mean that he hasn't proven yet that the people who are actually deceased who are up there in the uh, in the upper echelons in the old Mammoth, that they know what's going on in this world. So the Goran says Christ they went to the city. the Tamudayu, they forgot their little learning, they forgot their Torah studies they're trying so hard to remember what they learned one says to his friend do you think our father knows about the pain the suffering that we're dealing with that we can't remember our Torah why would you think he knows anything the Torah says that the deceased his children are honored he doesn't know you don't think he knows what's going on in this world that his flesh still so hurts what does that mean what does that mean Lames, worms are bad for the deceased, like needles in a living person. So clearly, they feel the pain, the suffering of the worms eating them in uh, uh, after they're buried. So Amri, you say, but do They know about their pain. If they are in physical pain in this world, they feel it. But they don't know about other people suffering in this world. So the deceased don't know about other people suffering in this world. So says more low, is that true that they don't know about other people suffering in this world? there's there was a story with a certain devout person. he did the great sin of giving money to a poor person on Era rashashana Bishne during the years of a famine. And what happens when you give money to a poor person on rashashana when it's a famine? And his wife got mad at him and she threw him out of the house. So that night, Rosh Hashanah, at night, he didn't have anywhere to sleep, they didn't have couches back then, so he didn't have anywhere to sleep, so he said, well, I guess I'm going to go to the only place that's going to welcome me tonight, I'm going to go to the cemetery. And he heard, he overheard a conversation of two spirits talking to each other. One spirit said to its friend, Let's go fly around the world. We'll hear, we'll go behind the curtain where a Let's hear what terrible things are gonna happen in the world. So, Amrlah. So the other spirit says, I'm not able to go. Why? Shani I was buried in mats of reeds. It's not respectful. I can't travel behind the curtain with our Kaddish Baruch there. I was buried in a mat of reeds. Ella, how about this? You go. Umasha at Shamas, whatever you hear, Imri Lee, tell me what, hey, what's gonna happen. So Hal the spirit goes, Vishata Ubah she flies around the world, Ramrullah Khavertah, and she says to her friend, or and her friend says to her, I'm sorry, Khaverti Mah Shamas, Mayakhoriya Parga, what did you hear from behind the curtain? What's going on over there? Amrullah, she says, well, listen to this. Shamatia heard, Shaqal Azorea Buravi anybody who plants during the first rain this season. Barad Malako, so hail is going to come down and destroy their crops. So, Hallelujah! This guy who overheard this conversation, he has some insider trading. He says, "What a deal! I heard that whoever whoever plants in the first crop, it's going to get blown away." So he says, "How about this? Hallelujah! He was the only guy in the world that didn't plant by the first rain; rather, he planted by the second rain." Shalokola ulam kula Everybody else's stuff got destroyed. lo laka. His stuff did not get destroyed. And he had all this money now. So he's feeling pretty good about himself. This was a great deal. So what happens? The next year. This is a great idea. If you want insider trading, if you want to make millions, I got a plan. Just sleep in the base of Kolaris. So he goes back to the base of Kolaris. He hears again these two spirits talking to each other let's go fly around the world behind the the, uh, the curtain and what terrible things going to happen to the world didn't i tell you i'm not able to do it i was buried in a in a in a in a mat of reeds and so whenever you hear bow you'll tell me she flies around the world and her friend says what you hear from behind the curtain Amralash um, she said to her, "Shamati, I heard Shakala called Azoreya. This year, anybody who plants by the second rain, she duff on Malaka, so a strong wind will wipe it all away. So he now holach vazaravirishoni. He now goes and plants by the first rain." Shakola Olam Kula Nishtha. the rest of the world, their stuff got blown away. Vishalolo of this guy, he's the winner. His stuff did not get blown away because he outsmarted the world and he planted by the first rainy season. Armeloisha, finally, this guy's wife got bright and she said, hold on a second how come last year all of your stuff got got uh, all the world stuff got, got nailed but your stuff grew perfectly fine and again this year as well what's going on over here how come you're well, all of a sudden you read the farmer's almayak how come you're smarter than everyone else over here So he told her all the things that happened over the past two years Amru, the story continues. They say, It wasn't many days after that. it now became a fight between this, this guy's wife, ima and between the mother of the daughter of the girl that was buried in the, the reed mats. And she said, She wanted to throw an insult her way, so the mother says, I will go and I will show you, I will show you your daughter. She kvura shall cut him that she is buried in a in a, in a in a mat of reeds as an insult. So therefore, now it became clear that everyone knew about this fight and this woman went ahead and said to her that, ah, I know that your daughter is buried uh, in a degrading manner. Finally, Shana HaKeres, the third year. This guy again goes back to the cemetery. And he hears these spirits talking to each other. Let's go fly around the world. Let's hear what's going to happen in this world. She says, my friend. Let it go. We're not going to hear this here. Because the stuff that we we have discussed, the living know about it. So now, this whole story came to show you that clearly, obviously, this, this lady, this deceased girl, heard the conversation between her mother and this other woman, and therefore she knew what was going on in this world. So we see that they know. Warren says, No. Maybe in the interim, another guy died, and this guy who died came up into the upper world and said to these two ladies, Listen, you'll never believe it, but there was a fight between this guy's wife and your mother, and this is what she, he said, this is what she said, the whole back and forth, and therefore they may not know what's going on in the world, but they may hear from the people who are deceased who come up. Tashma. Ziriy having mafket zuze gabu ush bezichu. Ziriy left money by his hostess. Ada osivi ozla beravas. He was going to the yeshiva. Shekhiva. She died. Ozla baashoy. He went after the chutzim office. He went to the cemetery. Amr la zuze hey Where is my money? Amr le. She said to him. Zio shaklinim mituse mituse betzinura the dasha go. It's underneath the. um the, uh, the 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 lint um, the what's that thing called the threshold of the door and therefore under the hinges in this specific place and therefore go ahead and get it from there and besides that the amala the and also please tell my mother to shadli misarkai please tell my mother to send me my comb the side and my makeup kit as well up up here you know it's true you got to look good even after you've passed away so therefore she says please have him please have her send my makeup kit and my comb as well. But Palmisa, Palnisa, with this certain person, with this certain individual, Da'aslamakh, who is going to die tomorrow. So again, Al clearly, they know exactly what's happening. They know she knew that this person was going to die. So Dilma, Duma, oh, maybe our friend Duma, right? We know him from Hallel, right? We say, right? Duma. Uh, all the people go down to Duma. So Dilma, Duma, maybe our friend Duma announced to them who was going to pass away. Not that she knew what was happening in the world, but maybe before this, the person passes away, this guy Duma gets up and says, Chavrayim, and an that Shmaril is coming tomorrow. So that's why she knew who was going to be there tomorrow. Another story, The father of Shmuel had money of orphans by him. When the father of Shmuel died, Shmuel was not there. They used to call Shmuel, "Shmuel, You are the child of the person that eats the money of the orphans. Because they never returned. So Uzal, al went after his father into the cemetery. Umarlay, he goes to the cemetery and says, Bina Abba, I'm looking for my father. Umarlay, Abba, you want a father? Abba, tu What do you think in a cemetery? Everybody in there in the cemetery is named Abba. Their name is father. So he says, Amralul Abba. I'm looking for my father, the son of a father. I'm like, come on, Ababar nami Ikatuvah. There, are A lot of people have that name. You gotta be more specific, who do you want? I'm looking for my father, this father of Shmuel Where is he? they said to him. He went up to the upper base He's up in the yeshiva Shemiley. It's going to take us some time. You got to call the secretary. As they were going to get him, he saw Levi sitting outside. How come you're sitting outside? My timer, little salak, how come he didn't go up to the shiva Shomayla? Um, On laid the Amrily, because they said to me, uh, all these years where you didn't go to Rav Afis's yeshiva because Levi felt that it was a knock against against uh, not his honor but somebody else's honor therefore you wouldn't go into the yeshiva you, you made him sad, you made him depressed I'm not letting you into the base medrash up in Shemaim so therefore Levi was being punished that's why Levi wasn't allowed into the base medrash in the upper realms and as this was happening, the father Shmuel comes down. He sees Shmuel sees his father is laughing and crying, crying and laughing. How come you're crying? he says, I'm crying because the will very soon. You are going to come to the upper world. So he says, Well, that's true, my time. How come you're laughing? So he says, because you are very honorable. They hold you in very high respect. Amr says, "If that's true, If I'm very respected in the upper, in the world to come, Na'ilul Let Levi be entered now. Let him uh, let him go right in." So the Gorn says, "That's exactly what happened. Na'ilul Lelevi. They let him in. Amr So finally asks the Yasme where is the money of the orphans? Zil Take off the the millstone.'" uh the top money and the low and the bottom money is ours umitzi asked me the middle money belongs to the orphans amarle my time about how can we do that Because if the guy comes and steals, a robber is going to come from the top. So uh, he's going to steal our stuff because he's going to come from the top. He's going to steal our stuff. So therefore, I didn't want the orphan stuff on top. If the land is going to absorb it, the bottom stuff is going to be our stuff. So again, it will be our loss. So again, clearly we see that Abu Dushrul knew that his son was coming. So he knew what was happening in this world. So again, the Gorn says, Shani Shmuel, the Because he was very honorable, somebody gets up and announces, Panu Makum, uh, opens some space for Shmuel to get a seat in the, in the upper, uh, in the base maddish, in the upper world. Finally, the Gorn says, afre, and but even Rabionasan retracted from his original opinion that said that, that the deceased don't know anything. How do you know that the deceased talked to each other? Here is the land. He says to him, oh, Shemen, that I promised to Abraham and Yaakov, saying, "Says more, my Lamar. What does it mean? Saying he didn't have to. He didn't say anything. Why did they add that word in the pausing Go tell Avram Yitzchak Vilna. Shuvu and Shabbat I that I promised you that I said I'm going to give your children this land. Kvar kiyam to I have fulfilled it with your children. So Hashem says to Moshebenu, go tell Avram Yitzchak Vilna these facts. So therefore, so therefore. Going to your testament, If they don't understand it, if they didn't know what's going on, how does it help the Moshe would tell them they didn't understand it? must be It must be that the the patriarchs or people know, even though they're deceased, they know they're able to understand what's happening in this world if it is presented to them. Well, if that's true, why do you even have to tell it to them? Lachzuke Lay to vasil Moshe in order that they can say thank you to Moshe for bringing their descendants, their grandchildren, their great grandchildren to Eretz Yisrael, and therefore Moshe wasn't saying it to them, so they have to know because they already knew. But it's that Avraham Yaakov would be able to say thank you to Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay, with that we will stop. We will pick up tomorrow morning on Yud Tes Amun Alf, uh three lines down.